0: Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host,
1: Marga McCabe from the Harbor DBT. Great, we are live. So, welcome everyone to the Select Star Podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We have um, a super exciting guest today, and I think this might actually be the the last episode of our first season of the podcast. So it's It's a good closer to have, no pressure or anything, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, today we have Charlie Gerard, who recently moved to Seattle. She is a senior front-end dev at Netlify, um, and I'll let you, Charlie, talk a little bit more about your background and stuff once we jump into it, but thanks for joining us and welcome.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, Before we jump in, I should give a disclaimer that I am watching another dog this week so there's not two but three dogs running around in the background so I tried to tire them out as much as possible this morning but if you hear some noises sorry about that <laughs> but um yeah thanks for joining Charlie so it's it's great to have you I'd love to to get started to just hear a little bit about you and in your background what you're working on I know you said you just moved to Seattle but I didn't even ask where you moved from so <laughs> uh
0: well I mean with the pandemic it's a little bit weird I mean like from france just before like seattle but okay. originally i was um i was in sydney before the pandemic had been there for like eight years so i okay. think yeah i was supposed to move to seattle much earlier on but uh with the pandemic that kind of like <laughs> put it on pause a bit
1: okay got it well i think seattle's a good choice it's a great city i, I love visiting it um not too far good. from where we are in denver so
0: yeah you <laughs> get
1: to um what part of sydney were you were you living in
0: um the city. I mean okay.
1: Yeah. In the downtown. Yeah. I yeah, I'd lived in um Bondi for about oh, a year yeah. after, after college uh many years ago. So I I love it and I miss it. We were gonna my husband and I were gonna try to get back down to Australia a couple of years ago, but obviously didn't with the pandemic. So I've been dying yeah. to go back.
0: <laughs> it is it is still home to me. I mean, just like in my heart, I'm gonna say, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely out of Australia.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, so did you choose, did you move to Seattle for work-related or just kind of wanted a change? Did you, you know, were you with Netlify before you moved?
0: Um, Well, so when I decided to leave Sydney, it's because I think at the time, so like in 2019, um, (laughs) I was doing a lot of conferences. um, So I was traveling a lot. And from Australia, you know, if you go to Europe, it's like, two flights like 24 hours and right. you know, if you go to the US it's like sometimes like 15 hours as well so I was traveling maybe like at least once every six weeks and it's a lot yeah uh, you're basically like like all the time and yeah. <laughs> I, I started thinking well I, I already wanted to like change job so I was I wanted to try the whole remote thing okay. uh, because I think that I am not really a nine to five Person, uh, I have a lot of energy in the morning, but then beginning of afternoon, like I get really tired. I need to do something <laughs> else. And when you work in an office, I found that it was a bit it was, it was a bit hard. So um, I applied for for Netlify, and I knew that they're you know kind of like semi global uh, company. So and I know that they could sponsor me to come to um, to the US, and I really liked Seattle when I had come here for Cascadia GS before. Um, so I was thinking, well, what about trying to live in the U S like it was never a plan for me before, but I was Mm -hmm. thinking, why not? Yeah. Um, so then I mixed the whole like new job, new country thing. I kind of like, yeah, either I do a lot or I do nothing. (laughs) And that was like all at once. (laughs) Just do it all at once. Just rip the (laughs) bandaid off. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, that's great. I mean, I've, I've heard Netlify is a, a great company and connected with some, some really cool people there. So. Um, I think uh, it seems like you probably have a huge support system um, with them. People
0: are definitely great over here. Yeah,
1: very cool. And so, um, yeah, I'd love to hear a bit about, you know, what it is, I guess, that you're currently working on. I know you're a front-end dev. Is there, um, are there any specific projects you're focusing on within that, um, kind of like how you got to to being where you are? Have you always been in front-end development? Um, I'd love to hear a bit about your journey.
0: So at Netlify, I've actually had um, two roles. So for a bit more than a year and a half, I was on the product team. Um, so if you're using Netlify, I was working on the builds list and deploys list pages because um, we're split into like areas of the product. Uh, but recently, I've been doing a, a rotation in the developer experience team. So at the moment, that's more what I'm what I'm working on, um, looking at you know the different new frameworks and how to you know create content or or templates or little projects to show people how to use that on Netlify. Um, so I've been I've been trying that for a couple of months and I think I'm planning on staying in, in that team. I think there's a moment where maybe I felt like I was doing the same thing on the product and I wanted a bit of a change. And uh, I've never done developer experience uh, before. I was a bit worried at first, but actually it's it's a challenge because it's different and that's what I, I like to do. I like to Tiny things, um, seeing where I can improve, or you know, discovering oh, actually I'm not too bad at doing that, and <laughs> just going from there. Um, but otherwise, before in my career, mostly I mean I started as a full stack uh, engineer, and then really gravitated kind of like naturally towards front end. I thought it was where I'm like what I'm the most excited about. But originally, I'm I'm not a a dev. I started my first job was in in marketing I studied marketing and uh, advertising so I started from there and then worked with people who were devs and I was like oh that looks cool can I do it too and (laughs) then did a boot camp and and now I'm in tech and I think it was the right choice for me definitely not going back to marketing no problem with marketing (laughs) people but I just that's I'm more excited about coding
1: well well good I mean that's always good to hear it's it sounds like um, you know, everyone has a different path, obviously, to getting into tech and getting into coding. And um, it's so fun to talk to different people about how they got there. And they all have that same revelation of like, this is why, I've, you know, this is, some people get nervous about not having the right background or not studying computer science. But once you get there, you know, there's so many different yeah. avenues. And so um, that's really cool. And I was going to say, I'm curious with the background in marketing, if that helps a little bit provide a different perspective or different angle on on developer experience because I mean developer experience itself is kind of a combination of like user interface you know the it's mm. it's the experience of people working with the product right and so I wonder if there's a little bit of merging with marketing there in terms of like the creative side and, and making yeah. sure that you're appealing to the right audience and, and to your customers and things So I'm sure it's given you an I interesting do think,
0: perspective yeah, <laughs> I do think it has helped me I am, wouldn't be sure exactly in in what way but I think that definitely um, I think, well, in terms of communication skills, it's obviously mm-hmm. something that I had to work on pretty uh, early on. And also when I studied um, advertising and marketing, we had to do a lot of like uh, pitches and, and, and competitions and all of these um, public speaking skills a little bit, even though it wasn't conferences, I wasn't doing conferences at the time, but um, you had to like learn to get out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. yeah, try to be creative and communicate and think about Um, what people like, like how to convey a certain message to get people interested in in something or how to break down a problem into smaller pieces so that people feel it's accessible. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's definitely something that I do now in in developer experience, but I feel like even earlier on in my career as a dev, more focused on the product, I think I still used that. Um, That helped me in like pairing sessions because I always thought about whoever I was pairing with or who Mm -hmm. the audience is or even when I started as a consultant um, at ThoughtWorks that was also part of it it's like talking to the clients and not using the technical terms that I would use with my dev team but you know trying to find other ways to explain um, a concept to people so that everybody would be on the same page this is where you really see that Communication skills is extremely uh, important, and I think that my background in marketing has made it a bit easier for me to to have that as well in tech.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's a that's a great way to look at it. I'm I'm curious to, with developer experience, would you say that you know, are do you work alongside kind of the department of developer advocacy? Is that does that go hand in hand a little bit in terms of like getting you know taking product feedback from the community? Um, mm-hmm kind of advocating for the product, making sure people are using it correctly, or is it kind of different? I'm I'm only curious, because I've spoken with a lot of developer advocacy, you know, DevRel type people, and I haven't spoken as much with developer experience. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. if those overlap, and I know it's different with every company, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, I maybe I'm too new to this to to understand the difference between the okay. two. Okay, um, so maybe there is a lot yeah. of overlap there. To me, I think at the moment, it's, I mean, if people, you know, on on Twitter or in a support channel are asking for something, then we can relay that message back to our product team, you know, for feature requests and things like that. But what I'm focusing on at the moment is more creating content so that, for example, if somebody wants to create a new site using SolidJS on Netlify, then, you know, I create the template and I create the content and I try to make it, you know, look accessible for people like, hey, if you want to try SLHS, well, you can do easily with like Netlify and this is how you would do it. Um, so I don't really know actually that mm-hmm. maybe I'm, I'm too new. Maybe, you know, later down the track, I'll understand the difference <laughs> between the two. Uh, right now, I'm probably not the right person. Yeah, no, I was
1: I was just curious. There, You know, there might be a lot of overlap there. There's so many different terms. And at every company, yeah. you know, one term can mean something completely different for the next company. And so like I even yeah. was talking with someone recently who said, Senior software engineer at one place might be way way higher than at another place that has a, you know that's, a much flatter structure and things like that. So that's for sure. I was just curious because um, being, I've been with with my company HarperDB for for several years now, and I've kind of transitioned over the last year slow into year or so into more like devrel type mm. of you know community support type role, and I've learned a lot about what that means and spoken with a lot of really cool people in that, and then. I hear another term and I'm like, Oh, that sounds really similar. So it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, although definitely what you're doing is, um, a lot more technical and, and developer focused than kind of the background and experience I have, but, um, very cool. And so I, I know you also said that you work a lot on side projects, um, that you have some creative projects you're doing. I think you said outside of work is that, um, do you just like to tinker and, and, you know, play around with different things? Do you work on like open source projects? What do you like to do in that realm?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I do... I find open source quite difficult sometimes to jump in. Uh, I've contributed to a few, um, you know, repositories that that I was interested in, like the Johnny Five library to do a little robots in, in JavaScript, because I think that that was really something that I was excited about, so if there's something you know, that I wanted to add, I've contributed to that, but I find otherwise there, there are some times where I find it a bit difficult um, to contribute to a project that's already there. I think it takes a lot of time to get to know the code base and then mm-hmm. finding an issue that you think you can contribute to. Uh, but I make all of my projects open source. So if we can call that oh, cool. open source, then, I mean, I guess yeah. it's kind of like <laughs> contributing to open source. Yeah, um, that counts. <laughs> yeah, but I I think it's, I, to me, coding is, is really a, um, super creative, but I guess on the job you it's you know business. So you you build things to make money. Uh, right. And I use side projects to explore the, the creative side of it. That is what really uh, excites me. It's like problem solving but with a creative twist. And I get to decide what I build and I get to like experiment um, And that's also the way that I get to explore technologies that I don't really get to play with at, at work. Um, so yeah, I see a lot of benefit in doing it, but it, you know, it takes a lot of time. And it's like finding ways to fit that into your, your schedule as well. Right.
1: But, yeah. There's only so many hours in the day yeah. and there's
0: exactly so many
1: things to learn and so many technologies out there. It's hard to keep up. Um, are there any, are there any new technologies you're playing around with right now or trying out at the moment or new frameworks or anything that, that you're excited about?
0: Um, I'm still playing around with machine learning in JavaScript, but that has okay. been that's, that I've kind of been doing that for a couple of years now. Yeah, um, but on my list, I really wanted to look into WebAssembly. Um, okay. I read a really like interesting book about it and I was experimenting a little bit, but I feel like I would need more time to really uh, dive into it more. Um, but yeah, I would like to go back into doing a bit of, um, like hardware stuff with Arduino. I put that on the side for a little bit and I miss it now. I want to build like physical things and not only (laughs) digital. Um, but yeah, at the moment, not nothing really super concrete. Um, I got like a new brain sensor, maybe a couple of months ago. I'm just like, I want to play with it. But then you're busy (laughs) with so many other things. Um. (laughs) so yeah that's also a problem when I'm excited about a lot of different projects and then it's hard to not jump from one to the other yeah
1: (laughs) So I'm definitely like that with you know with things even outside of tech and and work and things where um when you get so excited about doing everything at once it's like okay do I finish this first or do I start (laughs) all of them at once and then move around I think I try to use to-do lists to help me with that because yeah. it feels so good to like cross things off.
0: <laughs> it helps the as well to, <laughs> yeah, to track your progress. I do that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes I, I feel it's easier to forget that you've been learning things or that you've been like achieving things. And when I write it to the list of my projects, I can look back a few months later and be like, oh, I did build what I wanted to build. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't feel like I did, but hey, you know, I have this, this proof. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've got the proof right here.
0: <laughs> exactly. So have you
1: have you always worked with JavaScript then? Was that kind of what you started, you know, when you started out learning how to code and switched over to development, did you, did you start with JavaScript or how did you, I mean, I know it's extremely popular, but how did you fall into that?
0: I mean, the very first language that I quitted with, I think was a processing. Uh, When I was doing little animation game stuff, it was like really bad, but it was, that's what (laughs) got me excited when I learned about like loops and, you know, things like that. Um, but then when I did my bootcamp, um, it was, yeah, f- full stack. So backend was Ruby and frontend was JavaScript. And we, you know, tried like backbone JS and Angular one was huge at the time. Um, so yeah, my love for JavaScript, uh, started pretty early on. I don't know why. It's like, I, I remember that. I don't know, people like don't like it or find it weird sometimes. And for some reason, I wrote it like it was English. I don't know. why. To me, it made sense. So yeah. <laughs> I rolled with it. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, it sounds like you had a smooth journey with it. I know, as you said, some people have a love-hate relationship with it maybe, but um, I mean, it's, it's so popular. I think it's hard to avoid. And I think it's funny seeing on Twitter and social media how people love to have like battles and you know they're always joking about like if you just make a tweet with hashtag javascript it's gonna blow up because it just is so popular Uh, so it's always funny hearing people's opinions on it it sounds like you've had a a pretty good good experience
0: (laughs) i think because of all the fun things that you can do with it it's hard for me not to like it you know Mm -hmm. it's like all of these that you can do animations you can do like. Web VR, you can do music in JavaScript. I think that's probably what made me the most excited. It's like the amount of things you can do with JavaScript now. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think maybe when I learned Ruby at first, I think, well, at the time you could do a bit of hardware with Ruby, there was a library for it, but it's I found it a little bit more restrictive in terms of how creative you could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that definitely you know, I think when you're excited about something, then it's easier to go through like the pain of learning it. because you know, <laughs> that At the end, you're exciting, you're excited. So yeah. Yeah, that makes it, sense. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think, yeah, it's kind of one of those things I've, you know, different people say you have to do a little bit every day or you have to take some time off and try to do like a couple month course or something and do it I mean everyone has different ways of learning but yeah if you're enjoying it then yeah obviously it's going to be a lot easier and it doesn't feel so much like something you have to do or like torture and so um, I think that's one of the cool things about the tech community there's so many options and so many different paths you can take if you start one and it doesn't feel right Um, it seems that it's you know semi easy to transition and try something different and figure out what really works and yeah as you said you did full stack education so I'm sure if you wanted to yeah. move away from front end at any point and try something different that you could that you have the freedom to do that so
0: <laughs> sometimes I I mean Ruby has probably evolved a lot since I learned it but uh I know that at Netlify the you know parts of the end are in, in Ruby so sometimes I go and I have a look and I'm like oh I understand that or you know sometimes <laughs> if I know that there's you know the API is not returning what I'm looking for. Sometimes I, you know, I go and I find where the change should be. And I just, you know, ping a back end person and being like, hey, I kind of need this. Do you mind like doing a little PR? And I link them directly to the file. Uh, just as like a little fun thing that I'm like, I still got this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: good to good to do self checks like that once. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So um, so yeah I'm curious, you know, if there's people listening that are early in their career or wanting to transition or anything like that. If you have, um, you know, general tips for people wanting to get to a similar role or wanting to get to a similar type of company as, as where you're at now, or even just tips from, you know, when you decided that you were going to switch from marketing into what you're doing now, um, any pivotal moments when you look back that you think were really helpful or mistakes you might've made, Um, everyone's journey, of course, is so different. Um, but there's at the same time, it's almost like there's so many, options and so many ways you can learn how to code and get into the get into the industry so I'm always curious about people's thoughts yeah. on that
0: um well as, as we said it, it it's so different because of people's backgrounds and reason why they get in in the industry as well I think right. to me the the pivotal moment like I I did the boot camp because I knew that if worse comes to us I could I could keep going in marketing. Like, you know, I, I had a degree in this, so I could have, you know, kept going in that and I would have had a job. Um, so I get I had that safety net just of knowing that, you know, it I could get back on my feet if that didn't work out. Um, so I guess you know I was privileged in in that sense. I know that not everybody is in that position. Um, but I guess when I started doing it, I realized that I I really I really liked it um I mean I struggled a lot I cried many times in my boot camp because I thought I wasn't smart enough and I was just like I'm never gonna get this and oh, I'm no. super <laughs> stupid and it's just I mean it it's only I think it's actually on the only on the last week of the boot camp that for some reason it ticked and I don't know why exactly it ticked but all of a sudden I looked back at my project and I was like but I do get this like <laughs> what did I not understand before um uh, so sometimes if people are, you know, struggling when they're trying to learn, it's pushing through it. But if you are interested, because, you know, I've met people who gave it a try and it just wasn't for them. Um, right. And that's totally that's totally fine, you know. But for me, I struggled, but I knew that I liked it. So like I pushed it a little bit more and then, you know, I got it and it was a bit smoother from there. But then, you know, you're learning new things all the time you're always out of your comfort zone so i've gotten used to that to that feeling but otherwise to me in, in my career i always made sure that if i was interested in a job i like applied for it even you know you can fail but i'll try again later and mm-hmm. trying to be fearless even though i know that is very scary um but you know it's never the end of the world what i'm yeah. usually thinking is that if i don't get that job you know, this company is still probably going to exist in a few years. I'll get some more skills and and I'll try again. So, um, I mean, yeah, in in terms of tips to to get started, but you can do a boot camp. So I'm really glad that there's some online free resources. Uh, You know, there's so many people who are doing free code camp online and who are then, you know, using the 100 days of code hashtag on, on Twitter and who are right. learning publicly to kind of like motivate themselves. Um, so yeah, I, I can't really have like one particular advice because it depends on who's going to listen and what, and what they want to do. Right. Um, but you know, if if the problem is that you're a bit scared and you're not sure, if you do a free resource, then it's, it's free. The worst thing you can do is waste your time if you realize that you don't like it. Right. Um, but then try to build a a network so that maybe somebody can help you find a job afterwards i don't know how easy or hard it is for junior developers to find jobs at the moment because i see many companies only wanting to hire senior people (laughs) which doesn't really make sense to me but you know (laughs) i I see some companies hiring junior devs and once you get your first job then you can learn from people it's a lot easier the first like the beginning is is always the hardest but if it's something you're interested in and or if you, you know if you want your lifestyle to get you know get better because obviously salaries are better then that's definitely a motivation that works too and you know it's i think that career is really exciting and i would you know if everybody wants to do it i would love that but i understand that there's a lot of barriers so yeah that wasn't really like that was a long answer because i didn't really know <laughs> i didn't really know like which way to go but i think yeah it's yeah. it's scary but try it out if you can do it for free then yeah you're only wasting time right. which is important time is important <laughs> but yeah. i mean at least at least you're not like
1: wasting you know. both time and money
0: yes exactly <laughs>
1: yeah no i i think that's a really good a good way to put it it's kind of like yeah you don't have much to lose just try it out you don't have to start by doing some big fancy expensive program yeah. to learn there are so many free learning to code resources out there that you might as well try and maybe try a couple different things and see like what path you want to take. And, um, I mean, also a good reminder that getting that first job is the hardest because, yeah. You have to find a company and a team that believes in you and is willing to take on a, a new junior dev and, and kind of show you the ropes. And, um, yeah. that's probably one of the most disheartening phases is trying to find that. <laughs> but as yeah. you said, once yeah. you get it, it's like, it's just going to be a lot easier moving forward from there. And so maybe, um, maybe people, you know, can't be, I guess, too picky about what that first role is because no matter what it is, they'll be learning. So,
0: yeah. I mean at least well if you can be sure that it's a company where the culture is you right know, helpful to junior developers because I feel like sometimes people can be discouraged if their first job is actually toxic uh, but you yeah. can't really know that before you start so it's like a difficult I think the whole first job thing is is definitely the the hardest but the community you know often has your back even though we tend to fight on Twitter. <laughs> uh, in general, people like to support each other. Um, right. There's more people who will support you than people who will hate you in general.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: So yeah, it's not that may be the easiest thing at first, but it is exciting. There's a lot of um, opportunities, and there's yeah, great people and great things to build. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the really cool things
1: about social media and all these different, you know, developer blogging platforms. Now um, there's so many different resources and avenues where you can ask for help. Or yeah, if someone was looking for their first job out of a boot camp, they could try to find some people that are at that company and get a feel for the culture by seeing what they're posting and talking about, or even reach out and ask questions. And I know it's not, it's not a requirement to have that presence. I know a lot yeah, of, no. you know, people are more introverted and, don't want to take their extra time doing that but um from what i've seen i mean it can be it can be so helpful and as you said for the most part people are overwhelmingly willing to To help help and yeah and step up and um even when they are fighting it's like a joke it seems like so
0: (laughs) people people, get caught up
1: in drama i mean i don't really
0: understand i just let it i keep scrolling (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) exactly there's always going to be a little bit but um for yeah I think for the most part like it's it's probably another thing that seems really intimidating to jump into but it seems like the tech and developer community is so so strong and I I was surprised because I hadn't even really used Twitter much before yeah Um, and it's cool to see like how far and wide it really stretches so yeah
0: uh, it's another I don't know if it's um, a front-end specific thing because I think my experience is mostly in in front-end and I think I've it might be a characteristic of the front end community that it's more open and, and creative and I'm not sure about I'm not sure about uh, the rest actually that would be interesting to know yeah. but I know that if people are you know interested in getting into front end that's for sure a, a fun space yeah end.
1: that's a really good point I just saw someone the other day post like all I see on Twitter is front end where are all the back end people at and a bunch of people were like retweeting it, but then there weren't really that many back end people <laughs> that were stepping up. And I was like, that's a really good point. Where are they? <laughs> so it's you're right. Maybe, maybe it is a personality Maybe it is, you know, a personality trait of the group in general to want to be a little bit more actually staying in the, the back end and <laughs> not, yeah, not right showing is. their faces. That's kind of funny. <laughs> um. Very cool. Well, so do you, um, do you, outside of you know being at Netlify I know you said that you're a speaker do you have are you like a content creator are you currently doing any speaking gigs coming up things like that or um just kind Um, of depends
0: yeah I have a a couple of conferences coming up I've done it a lot less over the pandemic because when they're online I'm the vibe is uh, different I enjoy it a little bit less um so I tend to like back off a little bit and give the space to other people. I think that the good thing with uh, online conferences is that well then all of a sudden it could really be global so new speakers could you know take the stage and it didn't have to be faces that you see often so that's mm-hmm. that's nice and to me I, I like speaking at conferences because well I like sharing ideas but it's also like you get to meet people and there's this atmosphere that's really exciting that you don't get when you speak uh, right. online it's like well I'm <laughs> on my chair and then I'm gonna move to my couch <laughs> it's, just, it's like a lot less exciting for me so I kind of like taking a step back a little bit um right. but I think I've been working on something that I was excited about so I did a you know a couple of conferences so I have like two coming up but I think that I'm probably not going to do it that much until maybe we'll do it in person again, just because yeah. I know that the format for me uh, is more exciting in, in person. Yeah. yeah, that
1: makes sense. Which, which conferences coming up? Are you speaking at? I'm just
0: curious
1: um, if I have them on my calendar. Oh, it's yes. so many going on. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
0: Um, so I have one actually next week. OK, um, that's JavaScript days. Okay. And in November, I have Cascadia GS, which I think is hybrid online in person. And okay. I, I'm in Seattle. So I think I can just go in person. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it makes it's something we it's interesting, because actually, right when
1: COVID very first hit, we um, our company was, or we hosted a big in-person event, I think like the week before everything happened or two weeks before everything happened. And we had been so excited because it gave us the idea of like, oh, we should start hosting monthly live stream, like code along workshop type events. Um, But we only got to do one in person. And then (laughs) since then we've been doing them obviously online. And there's obviously pros and cons. Like we get to reach a further audience because we can get international folks dialing in, which is really cool. Um, but we also struggle with, you know, the whole, well, if people can, if we're going to record it and put it up on YouTube, there's probably people that would rather just watch it like in the, in a time that works better for them and not attend live. And then it's always a struggle for the speaker. Cause as you said, there's not maybe as much engagement or maybe not as many questions or something at the end. And so- yeah. It's like a battle. Yeah,
0: I don't know if I'm talking to myself. Like that's. (laughs) I think that's to me. That's really the like. I'm sometimes. I'm like, maybe I'm getting all excited in front of my computer, and there's like (laughs) nobody on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, people have
1: gotten so used to now um, not turning their mics on. Or sometimes these live streams don't even have the functionality to do that. So they're also now so used to like waiting and just typing their question in the chat at the end so as the speaker it's probably like really disheartening to be like well (laughs) I'll, i'll just keep going and assume people are listening yeah
0: it's it's just a little bit it's different and i think just like me as i get so excited about my topic when i don't get the excitement back it's it's just a little bit weird um but i think you know glad that there's people who enjoy it and who you know are taking my place when i when i don't want to do it um (laughs) and i think i don't i don't know if it's actually maybe it is something that's actually going to stay and that even if we can do it in person a lot of them are going to do it like online to give opportunities to more people Mm -hmm. um but i know that yeah for me i think i still like to hang out with people (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i know i'm hoping maybe the hybrid approach will catch on where people can tune in if they don't want to travel for it, but they're still, Mm. you still can go to in-person so that you get that kind of half and half option. Um, I've talked to a couple people recently where it was hybrid and it sounds like, sounds like a good compromise.
0: (laughs) They used to, I think some conferences before the pandemic were doing live streaming on YouTube. So, but I don't, you know, if people had questions I don't think that then the questions were relayed to the speaker, but um, you could still watch Uh, you know I've I've watched uh conferences from my couch in Sydney that was in like Norway and you know they're cheering my (laughs) friends from my couch yeah yeah there's
1: definitely it's nice to have that convenience sometimes but um I think nowadays people probably are nervous or maybe unsure about going to things in person but then for, for me, sure. when I do it, I'm like, oh, okay, I really missed that human interaction. It is actually so nice to actually see yeah. people and not just on a video camera. So
0: yeah, I've, yeah. When I've I've seen only like a couple of people recently and it was like mostly one-on-one. So if it's one person, that's fine, you know, in the distance. But I definitely haven't done like crowds and I don't know if I want to yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, you know, definitely with distance as well. But
1: yeah, I know. It's I'm, interesting. One day we'll feel ready for that again, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. not yet. <laughs> no, no. Has it been um so since you started with Netlify virtually, I'm guessing, has it been a challenge to train and and you know, learn the ropes at a new company not in person and not going into an office or has it mm-hmm. been um maybe everyone's used to it by now or there's, you know, an extra convenience factor to it. I'm just I'm curious, because I have several friends that have started new jobs through this, and um, I don't know if it adds this extra layer of, probably extra challenge of actually getting to know your teammates and, and your culture.
0: Well, because when I when I joined Netlify, I knew that I wanted to try the whole remote work thing. So at least <laughs> it was definitely a choice for me. It wasn't something okay. I did because of the pandemic, but it's... Right. it. The thing is, I, I knew that at some point I would want to hang out with people. So before the, the pandemic happened, I had this, this plan of like, okay, you know, <laughs> if I get lonely, I'll go to this country, see a friend, or I'll go to this conference, there'll be people. So, but I had to cancel all of this, right? So I think it's, um, there's a difference between remote in the pandemic and normal remote, um, And definitely, so far, most of my experience has been remote in a pandemic, which is not exactly what I wanted. Uh, but I do know that that's an no old way of of doing remote. But inside inside the company, I think it's interesting to see how again communication is extremely important in a in a remote environment, and that when you don't communicate properly you kind of get misaligned and things don't go (laughs) very well. And um, maybe that would be, you know, different in in different circumstances, but to get to know your team, sometimes we have like social events uh, that we organize like remotely, Uh, I think, yesterday the front end team did like a virtual zoom visit where there was a polar bear and <laughs> I couldn't join because I was in other meetings but I was um. <laughs> <laughs> um, but otherwise I still created strong friendships remotely which you know I sometimes don't really know like how that happened but I guess maybe when you go through maybe tough times together, then you get you tend to get closer. And I think maybe I, I'm really lucky to have coworkers who are like open-minded and respectful. And you know, you kind of realize very quickly somebody's not doing okay and you check on them and you jump on like a Zoom call. Um, and yeah, everybody's trying to be to set up some kind of social time. And it's not only work. Uh, what can be difficulties with the time zones? uh, cause I used to work in in Europe, and one of my good friends is in the u s. But you you know, I think we kind of still crave this connection with people, so you know you you make it work. Sometimes I work a bit later so that we could kind of pair, and you know, another day we'd do it differently. But um, yeah. now, you know, as hopefully, maybe at some point, uh, things will get a bit better in the world. Uh, I think that Netlify would want to organize actual in-person um, team meetings. So, you know, we would fly to a location in like small groups. So, you know, the, the normal remote work um, setup where you most of the time are working from home, but then you still do have in-person uh, meeting organized by, by the company at some point. I would love to, I would love to do that. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting... Experience. I would like to experience remote in a normal setup. That's not the pandemic, but I have to mm-hmm. wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, that that all makes sense. It's kind of you know similar for me. Our company went fully remote um, right when the pandemic hit, and we've kind of mm-hmm. realized that people are working pretty efficiently, and and you know it works out well, and um, so we're probably going to be doing it as of now indefinitely. And there's definitely pros and cons. I'm the same. I'm an outgoing, social person, and I love. Seeing people, even if it's just finding one friend that can just meet at a coffee shop and like do a co-working coffee or something, it makes it really like energizes me. But yeah. um, at the same time, I definitely sleep in a little bit longer now and <laughs> I don't have to think much about the drive. And I can like walk my dogs at lunch. That's great. I mean,
0: I, I love that. I definitely <laughs> love having a bit more sleep. Or yeah. <laughs> also being able, if I have to book an appointment for something. I can, you know, have it in the middle of the day and I just tell my team, hey, I'll be away for an hour. I'll catch up on work later. And that's fine. It's, there's, I guess, I I don't know. It's a, a bit as if I could live my life more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas it just being like nine to five and basically you wake up, you work and you go to bed. Like, I don't know. Right. That might work with me, but who knows? Maybe at some point I will not like remote anymore. I don't know. I keep on... <laughs> I think over the years, I kind of like changed my mind about certain things. I didn't think remote would be a thing I'd enjoy a few, you know, maybe earlier on in my career, but now it fits right with me. I feel like I can make more decisions about my life and how I want to live it, which is nice. Nothing, it doesn't revolve entirely around my job, which is a good feeling to have, at least for me.
1: yeah. No. I mean, I think that's a good a good point, and it's it's interesting. I know um, I know our team was saying recently that it's it's been interesting to see that like our developer team specifically has gotten more productive since we've been mm. um, since we've been remote. I mean, I think I've probably been the same si- similar level of productivity. Hopefully, a little bit more, but probably similar to before. But our yeah, our dev team specifically just really enjoys being able to really, as you said, like work their own hours, you know, they can work a couple hours in the morning, they can deal with the kids at night, and then like tune in for a couple hours at night, um, not have to worry about the commute and things like that. Yeah. And so,
0: I mean, um, you know, when you're the most productive, I think you can feel it, you know, it's like, I know when my energy highs are happening, <laughs> and I can, and, and you know, and then I look at what I'm supposed to do during the day, And I also arrange my tasks based on my level of energy. If there's a bug that I'm really struggling on, then I need to do it when I have a lot of energy. And if I then, I don't know, have to review a PR that I, you know, won't be that much work, then I can do it later on during the day when I know that my brain is a bit fried from the morning. (laughs) Right. And I feel like that helps me be more productive. I, I know that when I used to go to, an office and like a bit after lunchtime sometimes it was really there was nothing going on through my brain like I was just like I'm tired I want to go for a walk and I feel like I was wasting these hours Uh, and then it's like peaks back up around 4 p.m but then you kind of like go home I don't want to stay in the office until 6 7 just because I have energy again whereas now I really arrange my day around when I know I have energy and I think it's um, for me it's it's more productive but I think it right. also comes from years of experience of having seen how I behave throughout the day. I think maybe earlier on in my career, I wouldn't have been able to appreciate remote work right. the way I do now. I think it would have been a lot more stressful. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those um, skills of really learning yourself and, and what works best. And then, um, yeah. you know, having a team that's flexible to understand that and and allow that is is awesome. And I think that's becoming more and more common these days. So. Yeah, um, it's good, good to hear, and I I think probably a good tip for people listening of like you don't have to just strictly sit at your computer during the strict hours. Like it's okay to go get something done and then complete what you need to do later. I mean, obviously you need
0: breaks. I mean, you <laughs> yeah, need breaks. Um, this I mean I'm sure that people have had this time where they're looking at a bug for hours and they don't yeah. fix it. and then you take a break, you go for a walk or I don't know, you have a shower or coffee or whatever, <laughs> and then you come back and you're like. Oh, I get it all all you needed was to step away um but it also comes with this like this experience of knowing how you you know how you work and knowing when you're just focusing too much on like the wrong thing or you do need a break there's nothing wrong at all with breaks your brain needs it um so I I, I like these moments when (laughs) I was like I need a break and then I come back and the solution is right in front of me
1: yeah I know there's that funny meme that's um I don't know exactly what it is, but it's, yeah, it's talking about not being able to figure out a bug. And then like the second you lay down to go to bed, right before you fall asleep, you're like, but wait, now I got it. I hate these moments because
0: then I want to fix it. It's like bedtime.
1: But at least at least it comes, yeah, as you said, it comes to people in different areas, the shower, on walks, but.
0: <laughs> Definitely the shower in the morning, it's like shower thoughts, You know, it's like, this yeah. idea. And, the, I, I like, Where's that. my pen and paper? <laughs> yeah. But I love it, but like, I don't know. It's so random sometimes that it really shows that your yeah your brain is doing work sometimes when you don't. It's doing like background work. Right. I love these moments when <laughs> all of a sudden it takes you get something and you don't know where it comes from, but your brain <laughs> did the work. Just trust it. Uh, yeah.
1: That's funny. <laughs> well, hey, I know we're um, coming up a close to the end here. It's been so fun chatting with you and kind of hearing about your journey. Um, is there anything before we come to a close, you know, anything coming up at Netlify that we should be excited about or, or looking out for, or, um, you know, anything else on the side that you're working on? I know you already mentioned the, the speaking engagements you have coming up, which I can put links to in the show description, but um, yeah, anything you're kind of excited about as we get to it's crazy, but as we start to get near the holidays and the end of the year here,
0: right? uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't, I don't think I could talk about Netlify stuff without getting in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> without <laughs> telling you all the secrets. That's fair. Yeah. No. Um. I mean, there's nothing I can think of, right. No, nothing particular. I'll probably after the end of this podcast, my my brain will be like, "You forgot this." Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, no, just like, yeah, take care of yourself, people. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and I'll make sure I'll put a link to your um social in the show notes as well. And I'm sure if people have specific questions about your journey or what you're working on, they can Mm -hmm. reach out. Um, I (laughs) most people I. Mostly, everyone I talk to is like, "Yeah, I love when people reach out with tech questions and any, you know, any advice, anything I can do." And so, um, I'm not
0: always, you know, I don't reply very quickly. Like, I'm not, I'm not a one-hour reply kind of person. Like, that's okay. I like, yeah. <laughs> so I know sometimes people reach out, and you know, it's like I'm busy and I don't reply for a few days, but. I, I love when I can help. Sometimes people yeah. ask questions that, and I don't really know how to help. But yeah. when I can, when I can, I I like to I like to help. So you know, feel free to ask. Uh, <laughs>
1: That's fair. You don't have to, you you have a job. You don't, um, you're, you yeah. don't get paid for responding to constant <laughs>
0: 24 seven support. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, Hey, well, thank you so much for taking time to chat. This has been fun and, thank you. um, hope you enjoy kind of the getting settled into Seattle. It's um, I was in Portland not that long ago, but I haven't been to Seattle in a couple of years and I, I love it there. So it is on my list at some point, um, the next time traveling feels normal, but
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was great to meet you and uh, looking forward to keeping in touch and everyone. Thanks for, for listening and um, don't hesitate to reach out if you ever have any questions or feedback or anything and hope you have a great rest of your day.
0: Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places. Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.